right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mid American Bandwagon Podcast, episode thirty-four. Now, uh, coming up on—I uh, mean, coming up on on half a hundred here. Not too, not too far off. I can't believe that. Uh, I am Zach Follador here with my co-host, as always, Sam Thillman. Sam, how you doing today, man? Uh, it's been pretty good. Uh, great Ball State win that we may talk about, talk about later, and it's just just been rolling ever since. Yeah, man. I tell you what, I I was uh, telling you before we started recording here. I I forgot that game started so early in the afternoon today. I checked my phone. It was halftime, and and Ball State was eleven for sixteen from three point land. I was like, man, if they okay, if they could only bottle that up and do that every game, you know, it would be it would be easy. But uh. But anyway, we got a lot to get to here tonight. Um, there's been uh, obviously basketball is the main story right now. But we've had some other sports that have started up here over the last week or so, Sam. And um, if we want to jump right into the news here, let's let's start off with that. Uh, the first weekend of college baseball opened up here this past weekend. Oh uh, yeah, it was a pretty exciting week, as you mentioned, opening weekend. Uh, we'll start off with the main series that I think everybody wants to talk about: Ball State at Arizona. Game one, Arizona got it. But game two and game three, Ball State got it. Game four, Arizona came back with a win. So solid performance out of Ball State to get two out of four wins. Yeah, I agree. I think anytime you can go on the road against a Pac-12 opponent and uh, take, you know, split the series, I think that's a heck of a start for the uh, for the Cardinals for this year. Um, Mac defensive uh, player of the year, Chase Sebi, kept the Cardinals close in that game. Uh, or in, I should say in, in the, uh, in the, in the first game. And then in the third game there, when balls, or I'm sorry, in the second game, ball state won that game, eight, seven in 11 innings. And uh, they got the little, the video embedded in the hustle belt uh, in the, in the weekend recap article that I'm looking at here, Arizona game was tied at seven. Arizona had a man on third. They tried to steal home to, to win the game and ball state, obviously, you know, they, they got, they, uh, they threw the guy out at home ended up winning that game eight, seven. I tell you what though, Sam, I mean, you go on the road to open the season against a PAC 12 team in their home ballpark and take two out of four. That's a pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty encouraging start for the Cardinals. I agree. Going on the road to a ranked opponent, nonetheless, yeah. is very impressive. I mean, it's a great win. I think I would have been happy with one win, but two wins is even better. And uh, I saw a ball say after game, I think it was two or three was ranked 30th. So I don't know whether after game four that changed. So it's uh, it's a great weekend. Yeah, no doubt. And Ball State right there with Central Michigan at the top of the conference right now. And um, another team that um, had a nice uh, nice start to the season this weekend was uh, was the Miami Redhawks. And they went down to Florida and, uh, and swept Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, game one through three, as you mentioned, sweep four to one. Uh, game one, game two, eight to four, and game three, um, five to two. Uh, nothing, nothing really you could more ask for from Miami than getting the sweep and just dominating Jacksonville. Yeah, no doubt. And Miami's bullpen was really the star of the weekend there. Redhawks, uh, relief arms combined to throw 14.1 innings, only two earned runs in that span and 17 strikeouts. So certainly a strong start, um, for the Redhawks. Um, there's a lot of games here, so I don't think we have to go in depth on all of them here, Sam, but. You know, Ohio struggled a little bit, uh, as we thought they might with the new interim coach. Um, they they got uh, they went down to Virginia, took on Radford, and the Highlanders took two out of three from the Bobcats there, unfortunately. Um, I was um, 
a little bit disappointed if I'm being honest here, Sam, with, you know, Central Michigan this is a team picked preseason favorite in the conference. They were ranked, I believe, as 35th in the preseason um, top 50 poll. They went down to Texas and got themselves swept. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you're losing not only one game, but get swept in a series, it's definitely disheartening. As you mentioned, defending MAC champions projected to win the whole thing. It's it's very disappointing to lose uh, against a team. I'm not really much familiar how good Texas A&M Corpus Christi is, but uh, if, if you at least got to win one of those three if, I, I, if I'm a Central Michigan player. Yeah, and I think uh... – if, you know, even just looking at the, the box score here, it seems like offense was the problem for the Chippewas this week and only, uh, only seven runs combined in the three games. It is pretty crazy though. Uh, just another example of how crazy 2020 and 2021 has been with COVID and the pandemic and all this. If you guys recall last week on the show, we were talking about how central Michigan was set to go down to Texas and play Stephen F. Austin for their, uh, their opening series. They got down to Texas and Stephen F. Austin was in a region of Texas where, you know, they, they were missing power. Obviously, the, the, the um, you know, the, the weather last week was not very conducive to outdoor activity in baseball. So while they were in Texas, they had to scrap the series against uh, Stephen F. Austin, find someone else to play. Thankfully, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi had, a, had a, an open weekend and they were able to, to take on the Chippewas. I think if you're a Chippewas, obviously, you would have liked to win at least one of those games. And then um, another series that I was honestly surprised that that even happened at all was Kent State and Virginia Tech, Sam. Although I'm not surprised, you know, Golden Flash just go down to Blacksburg against an ACC opponent, and um, they weren't able to get a victory down there, which even though I know Kent State's picked towards the top of the conference, that didn't surprise me too, too much. Yeah, uh, but one game I want to mention real quick before we move on to basketball is the Ohio-Radford series, because as we talked about last week, their coach just resigned. So I thought it was yeah. a very encouraging side to go to Radford, a very high quality opponent and at least get uh, one, but they got, they got, wait, yeah, they got one game at Radford. So very encouraging signs from them. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, that certainly if you're coach Craig Moore, interim coach Craig Moore there, um, I think it's all, you're always encouraged to, to get that first victory and, and kind of get that pressure off your shoulders. So It'll be certainly be uh, interesting to see uh, the Bobcats and follow them throughout this season as we, uh, you know, it'll, you know, we'll see how they do. They were picked sixth, I believe, in the preseason poll, so kind of a middle-of-the-pack team. We'll see if they're able to, uh, to rise above that. Uh, but, yeah, I mentioned briefly there, Kent State went down to Virginia Tech, and they lost two games there to the Hokies, 3-1 to one and 9-2. to two. Um, that, turned, that went from a three-game series spread out over the weekend to a doubleheader on Sunday because of weather. And then um, – Man, Sam, I tell you what, we've talked a lot about Toledo in a positive light here over the last couple of months because of the basketball, the men's basketball team and how well they've been playing. But the Rockets baseball team, man, I tell you what, they went down to South Carolina this weekend and they uh, they got themselves uh, smacked around a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Game one. I mean, it just tells you two to 14, yeah. game two, one to five. And then game three, they put up quite a fight, six to seven. But I mean, two to 14. Yeah, there's not much positives you could take away from that. No, it wasn't. And um, as a team, I mean, if you're if you're looking at the offensive side of the uh, of the the stat sheet here, I mean, across three games, they struck out 44 times and they just hit they hit only 212. And um, of their 21 total hits in the series, 12 of them came in the last game on Sunday. So, 
maybe I don't know. Maybe those that that offensive form from that last game will carry forward into uh, next weekend in the season as it continues. But certainly uh, not the start you were hoping for if you are a Rockets baseball fan. So as the season progresses, everyone, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about baseball. Obviously, at this point right now, especially with it being, you know, we're two weeks away from the conference tournaments and basketball. I still think most of our focus is going to be on basketball, but we'll get more into baseball and softball and all these other spring sports as, um, as, as these seasons progress a little bit. Um, moving on, Sam, we got some hoops news, a couple of milestones that uh, were broken here uh, over the last week in men's and women's hoops. And uh, we'll start off first with someone who we talked about last week with uh, Oshlin Brown. Uh, she became the second uh, basketball player in women's basketball history of all state to break the thousand point thousand rebound mark. And uh, she broke another milestone just earlier tonight, Sam. Uh, yeah, she became the career reading rebounding leader for ball state women's basketball who are currently playing against Northern Illinois, I believe as we record this episode. So we'll have to see how that turns out. 1029 for Ashlyn Brown, really impressive. As you mentioned, second ball state women's player to, to record a thousand rebounds and uh, she also recorded, she's one of the, the very few to also have a thousand points and a thousand rebounds. So very, very, um, very um, high achieving a career, I guess you would say. Um, definitely deserving. And um, I'm sure she'll keep racking up those rebounding leaders because she's still got more games left. Yeah, certainly. And um, as, as we record this, as Sam mentioned, they're, they're playing Northern Illinois right now. Cardinals currently up 41 to 40 on the Huskies in the third quarter of that game. But yeah, I mean, Sam, we talked about Oshlin Brown last week and the longevity she's had and the consistency she's had. I don't think we need to rehash all of that, but I think this is just another testament to those things that we talked about last week in terms of, you know, be having an impact on the team for multiple years now, going all back all the way to her freshman season. I mean, she's been a pillar of the program and uh, this is just another, a great milestone to kind of put a cap on a great career. So um, congrats to uh, congrats to Oshlin. A similar uh, story coming out of um, Mount Pleasant here tonight as um, Michaela Kelly hit a, a pretty big career milestone uh, for the Chippewas, Sam. Uh, yeah, you kind of talked about pillars with Ashlyn Brown. I think you could say the same as Michaela Kelly, 2,000 career points. I think there's a debate whether to be had whether 1,000 points and 1,000 rebounds is more impressive or 2,000 career points, but that's for other people to decide. But, uh, Zach, I, I kind of had this thought in my mind, is – is it that these players are just better offensively or is the defense just that bad that there's so many a thousand point scores this mm. season? Cause Justin Turner, you think of um, who there there's been um, who else has scored? I mean, Daquan Plowd and Daquan uh, Plowd. we'll talk about Ish. We'll talk about Ish a little bit later. Yeah. And then uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, Michaela Kelly, Nashville and Brent come to mind. Um, CC hooks. We talked about CC yeah. hooks. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear what you're saying. And and I do think, I think in a general sense, you know, basketball continues to get more and more offensive oriented, right? Over the years, just like football, you know, they, they've made it harder to play defense uh, because people have realized that offense and, and scoring is exciting and it, you know, it sells tickets and it brings people into the arenas. So I don't disagree. I, I do think that, um, I, I think it's they've made it easier for offensive players to to get their numbers. Certainly, um, I also you know I don't I don't think that takes anything away from Michaela Kelly or or anyone else. That's I mean scoring two thousand points is still no small feat. So um, I, I'm sure Michaela 
uh, would have preferred to maybe get a win tonight. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that here later uh, in the show. I'm, I'm sure she would have preferred the, the win, but um, still, nonetheless, like she has been, you know, we, we, again, we talked about Oshlin Brown being a pillar for, uh, for Ball State. I mean, Michaela Kelly is, a, is another uh, senior that has been with Central Michigan this year, you know, obviously her fourth year. She was an MAC all-freshman team selection um, in 2017-18, voted the all-MAC tournament team that year. I mean, this is uh, another example of a player who has been consistent that has been, um, you know, just been a really just a, a presence for the Chippewas for a long time. Now. I mean, you even go back to her freshman year, 2017, 2018, she stepped right into the starting lineup and played 31 minutes a game for the Chippewas there. So, you know, this is someone that, you know, every single year she's been in college, she's averaged double digit points, even as a freshman, she was, you know, scoring 11.5 points a game. So, you know, there's something to be said for that. It's just like we talked about last week with all these other players that have hit these milestones. I mean, there's, you're not going to do it unless you're contributing and, and, you know, playing significant minutes as a freshman. Yeah. And uh, before we get into the um, kind of in-depth talk, um, Ishmael, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, reach a thousand career points, like we've seen with the other players, the four year starter for ball state uh, finally hit a thousand career points. Yeah. Which uh, another, another example of just another, um, you know, I, I feel like kind of like a broken record. I keep talking about how these players are kind of pillars of the program, but you don't you don't get to these milestones if if you're not. I mean, Ish is a guy. Here's another guy. He's he's a senior that has really uh, really broken out for the Cardinals here over the last couple of years. And um, you just you, you love to see someone like this that puts in the hard work. That's a, a um, you know works hard, keeps his head down is kind of a leader on the team and he comes out and, and, and gets to do this. I mean, really, I feel like Ish's breakout year was maybe a little bit later in his career. I mean, he was second on the team last year and scoring just under 14 points a game. Uh, you know, if you look at his freshman and sophomore seasons, um, you know, he had some, he had some injury issues, especially with his sophomore year where he missed, um, you know, missed, I think it was like 13 or 14 games in the middle of the season, only average about seven points a game as a sophomore, but nonetheless, I think coming back from that and having these two solids, you know, obviously breaking out last year as a junior and then following that up with another strong um, season this year was uh, it's, you know, you'd like to see, you like to see someone like him get a milestone like this. And, and you have to think um, if any of these players return, how many, how many more points they'll be able to score because you return for another season. Yeah. How many more points can you score in that time? Cause Justin Turner has that decision to make. Um, yep. as, um, Ish, of course, has that KJ Walton also on Ball State, Ashlyn Brown, Michaela Kelly. These all yeah. these all these players have to make the the decision whether they want to come back for another year. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point that you make, Sam. And it's something that we talked about in football, but it's not something that we've talked about quite as much in basketball. And I think that is going to be something really interesting to monitor here after the season ends. Is how many of these senior, current seniors are going to take advantage and, and come back for another year? Because the option is obviously on the table. You wonder, you know, some of these folks are going to want to try and play professionally. And for the folks that think they might not get that chance this year, why not come back and, and, and run it back one more time? That's going to be really interesting. And I think it'll be even more uh, I don't know in basketball, the numbers aren't quite there, right? I mean, you don't have, 
you know, 50 or however many scholarships. I mean, you got, you know, 10 or 11, 12 people on scholarship. So you got, you know, coaches out there recruiting freshmen to come in for next year where some of these seniors might want to stick around for another year. That, that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to watch as we get to the off season. I, I agree. And um, it's going to be exciting to see, but Zach, I mean, we still got a whole nother before, before we talk about uh, them returning or not, we still got the rest of the year to talk about. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. And um, with that said, I think that's a perfect transition, Sam. Let's, let's move right into uh, the, the hoops talk uh, proper. Obviously we taught, we kicked off last week's hoop segment by talking about how a few teams have clinched uh, on both sides of the fence with Toledo and Akron and on the men's side, central Michigan and Bowling green on the women's side. The only update to that this week is that uh, Kent state did clinch on the men's side. So we have three teams that are locked into to Cleveland now on the men's side, still only central Michigan and Bowling green and women's. So that's uh, kind of a, a testament to how, close things are there in the middle of the pack on the women's side, but let's go ahead and kick off our discussion here tonight, Sam, by just taking a look at the, at the standings and, you know, where we would be if the Mac tournament started today, why don't we start on the men's side today? Um, what are, what are you, what are you kind of seeing when you look at the standings right now as, as we think about the conference tournament coming up in a couple of weeks? Um, I, I'm, I'm looking at these matchups and I'm pretty excited. I mean, when you have a, um, a exciting matchup that I think could present in a one to eight seed, I think that just tells you what the rest of the seating kind of tells you, uh, Toledo ball state ball state already beat Toledo. You still have a bowling green who's still trying to figure things out, but they seems to kind of have turned around a corner. They will have to project it right now to play Kent state. So from what I'm seeing, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I think we could have some really interesting matchups come March. I agree with you. And and for the most part, I think these matchups held up from, from last week. Mm-hmm. And I, I continue, I'll, I'll say it again. I said it last week. We both said it last week. And I'll say it again is that that 4-5 matchup there between Ohio and Buffalo that's one that I have circled. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one if it happens. Same thing with Kent State Bowling Green. I, if I'm being honest, you know, if, if I'm one of the other 11 teams in the MAC right now, I want no part of Bowling Green. You know, they've won three in a row after that extended losing streak. Um, they seem to have figured things out. So certainly, um, you know, there's certainly some opportunities there, and certainly going to be some some excellent matchups. The two seven matchup there would be Akron and Miami. Uh, the Redhawks have won two in a row, uh, got back to 500 in the conference at sitting at seven and seven. What about on the women's side, Sam? I, you know, we, we had some uh, some interesting uh, matchups this week, some interesting results this week. Ball or I'm sorry, Bowling Green still, though, continues to impress sitting there and t- on top at the one seed. And then you look at I mean, Ball State, we talked about the the parity here on the women's side, Sam. Bowling Green at first place at 12 and three ball state in eighth place at nine and seven. They're in eighth place, but they're only three and a half games out of first. Uh, this is, I mean, this women's side here, the one through eight, it's so close. Yeah. It, it's kind of tough to decide who you really want. Cause the, the difference between two and three Ohio and central Michigan to Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan, there's not much difference. So if you're going into the tourney thinking you want one team or another, you can figure out matchups wise, but it's not going to be as easy as in past years. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you look at, I mean, all of these matchups on the women's side are intriguing to me. I mean, Ball State Buffalo is the one eight. Kent State, I'm sorry, Ball State Bowling Green as, as, as the one eight. But 
I, I was kind of getting ahead of myself there because I wanted to mention Buffalo here. Buffalo is a team that we've talked about all year as one of the three, maybe four best in the conference. And they're sitting at nine and six now. And all of a sudden you look at the standings and they've fallen all the way back to seventh. That's even with potential conference player of the year, Diasha Fair on their team to have her, have them be in seventh place right now is crazy. I mean, because I think that's a team where you can legitimately look at Buffalo and say, I think they're going to win the conference tournament. And you wouldn't be crazy to think that. And yet here they are in seventh place. Yeah. But, but it all comes down to, because you have to you have to win basically what is it three games to win win in all four? Uh with, with this being year. It, with it being eight teams, yeah, it would be three games you'd have to win to win it all. Do you think as good as Daesh Affair is to put it all on her three straight games? Like yeah, obviously she's she's a great player, but is it gonna be good enough to win three straight games? It would have to be Kent State, let's say Central Michigan or Eastern Michigan, and then let's say Bowling Green. Do you think she she could power her team enough to beat all those teams? It's a great point, Sam. It's a great point, and I think I don't think as great as she is, I don't think you can put that on one player, uh, especially when the games are on back to back to back days. You know, um, I think you know when you look at Ohio has CC Hooks and Erica Johnson, Central Michigan. They do great. Um, you know, they, they kind of, you know, they're, they're great on defense. Bowling Green, great defense and rebounding. Buffalo, you can't rely on one, one player the whole time. And it's not to say that they don't have other players that can't step up. But, I mean, Diasha Fair, it seems like every week we talk about her because of the stat lines that she puts up. Um, and, and so, I mean, there are some other players on the team. I mean, McEvans can do some things. She had 14 points uh, the other night against Kent State. Um, I still, though, I think you're right, though. I think they might be a little bit too dependent on Deasha Fair uh, to be able to make the whole way home and, and get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, uh, Zach, I think this is a perfect transition to the first game, Buffalo Ball State. Yeah, we we talking about um, Deasha Fair and, and, and Buffalo. They got a, a big win on the road in Muncie on Saturday. Uh, that was after Ball State, uh, just before that, had, had beaten them. Um, in in Buffalo. So it was kind of a back-to-back type of thing. Ball State won the game in Buffalo by 13. Turnaround, Ball, Buffalo comes down the Muncie and wins by seven. And as we mentioned, Sam, Diasha Fair, 36 points in this one, 11 for 23 from the field. Um, you had uh, Heather Hall had 16 in this game and Kara McEvans had 12. Um, but I mean, again, 36 of your 83 points are coming from one player. Certainly makes for a great performance, Sam, but I don't think it's sustainable. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I think the encouraging sign for Ball State here is you had other players other than Ashlyn Brown really step up. And I think if you can continue that um, through tonight, if they end up getting the win to um, later games, because I think they have probably like four or five games left, that's going to be encouraging. But yeah, as you say, it, it's it's nice to have one player you can put 30 plus points on a night, but at the same time, it's kind of a curse. So, like, you have to depend on that person to, to score basically a third of your points each night. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, the stat line for, for Dash Affair in this game, I mean, 36 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, four steals. It's unbelievable. I didn't realize this, Sam, but she's currently sixth in the entire nation in scoring in 
points per game. She also ranks in the top 25 in free throws, assists, steals, field goals made, three-point field goals made, and points overall. Um, that's, I mean, that's a heck of a list there that she's included in. So really, really, and then you think about the fact that she's only a sophomore. I mean, this is a player that if she, you know, continues to develop at this pace, I could see, you know, future potential all American on our hands here with Diasha fair. The fact that she's putting up numbers like this in the top 10 in points per game in the entire country as a sophomore. So shout out to her. Um, I, I think even if Buffalo doesn't get to the tournament this year, they certainly have a bright future with, uh, with, with her on the roster. Um, the, the other two games, I guess, to talk about kind of in tandem here, Sam, that I was really intrigued by this week where was the, the back-to-back, uh, Kent state Northern Illinois matchups this weekend, making up for a, a postponed game earlier in the year. As I talked about last week. Um, this is a really weird scheduling quirk because of COVID where they're not only are they playing back-to-back days, but they're playing both games in DeKalb, obviously in a normal year, one of these games would have been at Kent. So you got the Kent state golden flashes who are coming off of a three game losing streak. They got to go play at Northern Illinois back-to-back days against probably the hottest team in the conference. One of the hottest teams in the conference, they were nine and three overall in the conference. I, I believe they had won eight of nine. And Kent State finds a way to win both games, Sam. Really, really impressive performance from the Golden Flashes for me this weekend. Yeah, I I think I made the statement last week that they had to win at least one of these two because Kent State was kind of falling after their uh, month break. And shout out to them for being able to get it done. Not only that, being able to find uh, a depth of score, not just Neil Blackford, having not just Shoemate, having other scores than them too, because I think Northern Illinois struggled because they didn't have a, is Shelby Coker, correct? That's right. You got it. Yeah. Score all their points. And, and that's what's ultimately going to um, do you like Buffalo. If you can't have your leading scores put up 20 to 30. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the thing that was most impressive uh, for me this weekend with uh, with Kent State was their their defense. I mean, this is a team, you know, you're going up against Northern Illinois who has routinely put, you know, 80 points on the board, set high 70s, low 80s in the on the board um, o- over the course of the season this year. You how you hold them to uh, 58 points on Sunday, 65 in the first game on Saturday. You combine these two games together, Northern Illinois only shot 38% from the field, only 29% from the three-point line. So, you know, Kent State, they're not always going to outscore you. They they aren't one of the the better offensive teams in the conference, but they have that calling card of defense where even though, even if they're not going to outscore you, you know that they're going to get stops. And um, I, I just, again, I didn't expect Kent State to win either of these two games this weekend just because of how they were playing and how Northern Illinois was playing. But after this, after getting these two back-to-back victories, I think Kent State's right back in the thick of things now. They've moved all the way back up to third place. They're now sitting at eight and four. And, you know, their, their next game, they're, they're playing um, Miami on Saturday, which Miami's currently sitting at two and 15 in the conference. So you'd like to think if you're a, a Kent State fan that you can pick up another win there. So a really nice uh, turnaround here in, in the making, a potential turnaround in the making for uh, for the Golden Flashes as, you know, they they also they followed up their um, their victories on over the weekend with a, uh, a win earlier today at home against Buffalo. So they're now nine and four in the conference. 
uh, having won three in a row. So certainly a nice turnaround here for the Golden Flashes. I agree. And, it, and it's weird, the ebbs and flows that Kent State's having. They go, they they have their highs of first. They kind of slow down to second, then they fall the way down to uh, seventh place. It was, I believe, like just a week ago. Yep. And now two two to three games later, they're back in second place. And and that honestly has to do with winning percentage, but it's just it's just crazy how how just high highs and lows Kent State's program has had this season. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's uh, I think it's just that been that kind of year for for everyone. So, um, sh- big shout out to Kent State though for getting two or I guess now three big victories this week, uh, including the game against Buffalo earlier today. And then the uh, the last game I wanted to talk about here on the women's side, Sam, was another one happened earlier tonight on on Wednesday. This was one that really surprised me, Sam. Toledo has been struggling this year. You know, they're they're coming into this game. They were five and eleven in the conference. Uh, they had lost uh, what seven of eight um, coming into this game with their only win being at Toledo, uh, at, excuse me, at Akron, who's really struggling. So you have, you know, you lose seven of eight, you go on the road to central Michigan, who's a team still in the hunt for the one seed in the conference sitting at, you know, coming into this game, they're 11 and five in the, in the league rockets though, um, come out firing outscore the Chippewas 22 to seven in the first quarter of this game. And they hang on to win 72, 67, a really, really impressive win for the rockets here tonight. Yeah, I don't know if uh, if anybody had would have had money on this game if they would have put it on Toledo, but hey, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it would surprise me. I mean, just the the shock value it added to the season because I don't think anybody outside of Toledo's program probably would have um, expected this win. Like, let's be honest, I don't think any any Toledo fan was um, expecting to go to Yipsil or not Ypsilanti, Mount Pleasant, and yeah. grab a win. And, and good for Toledo, and it, it, it provides some exciting basketball, exciting events. And this game might um, bite Central Michigan in the butt a little bit later in the season, depending on how season, uh, seeding falls. Yeah, you're right. This is going to be one, I think, that the Chippewas will want back. Um, a nice night, you know, Quinesha Lockett with 12 points for the Rockets, uh, Sophie Ward with 15. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's been a tough year for, for Toledo. Um, having, you know, they're sitting at 10 on 11 overall, six and 11 now in the conference, but that's a very nice win for the, for them tonight. And they have uh, four games left, um, one against Eastern Michigan, two against Western Michigan, and then one against Ball State. So they're, cir- they're currently sitting at in 10th place there, but they're three and a half games back of, of Ball State for that eighth spot. So it'll be, it'll be tough. I think if they want to make the conference tournament, you got to try and win these last four games. Obviously, that starts with the Ball State game on Saturday, which given the implications, I guess, could could be big for both teams. You know, if you're Ball State, you don't want to give Toledo any hope. And if you're Toledo, though, that's a game you have to win if you have aspirations of making the conference tournament. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. So let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the, the men's side of the fence here, Sam. Uh, before we, you know, look at the week ahead and our, you know, performances of the week and stuff like that. Um, a couple really, really uh, big results here, a couple surprising results here um, in, in the men's side of things this week. Let's start off with, uh, with Toledo, though. This is a team, you know, we talked about last week, they, you know, they, they kind of hit that bump in the road where they lost two in a row to Ball State and to Bowling Green. But they've they've seemed to have turned it back around here. They, you know, early, uh, you know, later last week, I should say, 
uh, with that victory at home against Ohio. The game that really impressed me, though, you go on the road to Buffalo, who is a team that we've talked about, you know, their inconsistencies. But you go to Buffalo and you pull out a 10-point victory over the Bulls, 80-70, to 70, a really nice win for the Rockets. Uh, Marion Jackson was great, as always, 20 points, six rebounds, six assists. Ryan Rollins with 18 points for the Rockets as well. A nice team victory for Toledo, Sam. Yeah, I agree. This is a Buffalo team, just for reference, that just beat um, Northern Illinois, I believe, just either uh, a day or two ago by like 20. So to get a 10-point win in Buffalo, when I think like this, but I think this Buffalo team, like I said, is a lot better than their record. Toledo, I think this just shows how I think just kind of separation that Toledo is like we don't want to say it but I think we can all see that this Toledo team is not only built for the regular season but built in the postseason because unlike the teams we talked about who's only had one score they have five six seven on any given night so really solid win for Toledo and Buffalo it's a hard loss to take but I mean it's not surprising considering how well Toledo has played I agree it it I, I'm not surprised, first of all, because of how good Toledo has been, but also Buffalo just continues to underwhelm me. You know, we, mm-hmm. we've talked about it a lot. Um, this is a team that, you know, they they were they shot 14% from three-point land in this game, 67% from the free throw line. You got Josh Mbala, a guy that we have talked about a lot on this show that has is capable of putting up these crazy stat lines. You know, he finishes this game with nine points on three for 13 from the field. Buffalo, just for the amount of talent that they have, it seems like they just have these games where their offense doesn't show up or or they can't get a stop. And I don't think, I don't know, I feel like I'm not saying anything that we haven't said before, Sam, but I don't think there's any way that Buffalo should be seven and five in the MAC. I mean, this is a team that has way more talent that, or I'm sorry, they're eight and five now, but nonetheless, I, this is a team that if you would have asked me through 13 games, what their record would be, I would have guessed, you know, 10 and three, 11 and two. I, I don't think anyone expected them to struggle like they have throughout this year. I agree. And I, and I think what Buffalo needs to do, like any good um, team really does is have someone come off the bench. And, and that's not to say that Ron Sagu should go off the bench because he's obviously starter quality, but you need to switch things up. You need to provide somebody some energy off the bench because you're not getting that out of playing three players and their combined is 11 points. You're not getting that. Uh, Toledo at least has one person, Kalen Saunders, who can come in and shoot the ball. Buffalo needs to do really the same, whether it's put Jonathan Williams like as a six man, kind of have Ronald Segu as a six man, because what you're doing works at times, but against these good teams just seems to kind of underwhelm. That is a good point, Sam. I think there's a lot. There is definitely something to be said for kind of having someone that can give you that spark off the bench if, if your starting five doesn't have it or whatever the case may be, someone that can come in and make a shot. Uh, in a pinch and kind of get the team rolling. I I do tend to agree with you there. And it does kind of seem like, I don't know. I don't know if Buffalo has that guy right now. So again, the bulls uh, currently fifth in the max sitting at eight and five in the conference overall Um, their next game. They've taken on uh, central Michigan. They go to Ohio this weekend, uh, which will certainly be a a big game for, uh, you know, with seeding implications for the conference tournament there. Um, next game I wanted to touch on here, Sam, uh, another, I don't know, this seems like it might be becoming a theme 
for Ball State is, you know, they, they come out, they play really well in the first half, and then they just kind of fade down the stretch. This time it was with Akron, you know, Cardinals take a 36-30 halftime lead, and they give up 58 points to the Zips in the second half of this game, Sam. What, what did you see in this one? I mean, it's just, it's just uh, a theme throughout the season. Even with today's game against um, Kent State, it was a strong first half, and they didn't really need a strong second half yeah. to really finish things up because they had a um, pretty tremendous lead. But the point remains is they come out strong. They can hang tough with anybody. Toledo, Bowling Green, Akron in the first half, Buffalo in the first half, and then second half comes around, and it just slips away. Their defense looks lackluster. It's just, it's just not there in the second half. And I, and for me personally, for them to get things going, it's going to start with Jerron Coleman. I've said it earlier in the season. It was the reason why Ball State did so well today. Jerron Coleman's got to be that leader step up because Ish is always going to score. Uh, Brocken's always going to score. Meyer and Thomas are going to be scored. But the one person that needs to lead this team is Jerron Coleman moving forward. Yeah, now – Obviously, Jerron Coleman didn't have the opportunity to be as much of a factor in this game against Akron because of foul trouble. You know, he had four fouls in this game, only finished with eight points and, and two rebounds. As a, as a Ball State fan, is that um, is that rare for him, or does I don't know? I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him specifically. Like, does he get in foul trouble a lot? Uh, it's not more of him. It's more the 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 Fords. I would say. I think it's just. He, I think he's a person that doesn't like to think of him. Like, I, I don't know the program. I'm not inside the program. It seems to me like Ish and KJ want the ball in their hand. It seems like at times Jerron just kind of plays a backseat to them at times when he should be pressing the issue because I think he personally, Ish is the best shooter out there. KJ is the best finisher. I think Jerron Coleman's like – hands down the best all-around kind of athlete passer sh shooter just all around Myron Thomas is the best dunker but I would say Jerron Coleman's the best kind of all-around player that just needs to be more involved gotcha yeah and you know you look at this game and offense was not the issue here I mean you score 79 points you shoot 48 percent from the field 38 percent from three I mean you score 79 points, you're, you're going to win a decent amount of basketball games. But then you look at the other side. I mean, you let Akron shoot 52%, 45% from three. The thing that's crazy to me is that, you know, Akron puts up 88 points in this game, 58 points in the second half. We've talked a lot about how we kind of feel sometimes how Akron can turn into like a one-man show where it's like Lauren Christian Jackson has to like drag the team along with him. He only had 12 points in this game. He was two for 12 from the field. So Ball State did a good job on him defensively, but they let some of these other guys beat him. You know, Brian Trimble Jr. had 19. He was five for eight from three. Ali Ali had 20. He was three for five from three. That's, you know, anytime you see Lauren Christian Jackson, you only hold him to 12 points. You'd think you have a good chance to win that game, but they just kind of let everyone else go a little wild, it seems like. Yeah, I, I think the one issue on defense was we were so worried about Lauren Christian Jackson, even when he wasn't hitting our shots, that yeah, we sure. just let everybody else take away. Like you like after after a certain amount of threes, like they were just knocking down back to back to back threes. You kind of have to shift defenses. Lauren Christian Jackson wasn't really hitting many shots until the end where he probably have like eight free throws because we had a yeah. foul. It, it just wasn't his day. We should have focused on the others. We didn't make the the kind of um, changes, adjustments we needed to, and it, it hurt us at the end of the day. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I guess before we move on to uh, the, the Bowling Green game, I guess 
let's 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 talk about today's game against Kent State for Ball State because I tell you what, like again, uh, offense certainly not the issue here. Ball State puts up 57 points in the first half, finished the game uh, with you know a 90 to 71 victory over Kent State. 11 for 16, the Cardinals were from the three point line in the first half. Jerron Coleman, like you mentioned, Sam, 26 points in this one, eight for 11 from the field, five for eight from three point land. I, you know, you are right. I think it seems like even though maybe Ish and KJ Walton get all of the press and are maybe the best, um, you know, physical, you know, I don't know, best scorers on the team. It does seem like the team kind of goes as Jerron Coleman goes when he shows up and is hitting his shots. Ball State is a different team. Yeah, I agree. And and it's one of the reasons why this team was so special last year with Jerron Coleman being Mac freshman of the year. We had Tajay Teague, obviously, but Jerron Coleman stepped up when we needed to as a freshman. I believe he's getting better and better, including this game where he had a career high 26. He's just another animal when he's getting the ball in his hands and he's being allowed to dictate where this offense goes. And if Ball State doesn't realize that, it's it's going to be it's probably going to be an early early defeat versus Toledo. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you there, and uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens. Um, certainly, a, an encouraging sign uh, for Cardinals fans though today. The uh, the last game I wanted to talk about here on the men's side, Sam Bowling Green. It seems like the Falcons might have figured something out here. Now they didn't start well in this game. Um, You know, they were down 29 to 12 with, you know, six and a half minutes left in the first half, but they really turned it on from there. Um, Really pulled away in the second half from Eastern Michigan, 82 to 69. And I got to give you some credit here, Sam. One of the guys that you mentioned uh, last week as needing to step up a little bit in, um, in Caden Matheny for the Falcons he had himself a career night uh, against Eastern Michigan, eight for t- 14 from three point land, 10 for 16 from the field overall, 29 points for the freshman. Another nice win for Bowling Green. I know obviously Eastern Michigan's down at the bottom of the conference. They're one and nine overall, but Bowling Green now has won three in a row. They have some legitimate momentum, it seems like. Yeah, I agree. And, and it just, Caden Matheny just makes this um, team that much better, this offense that much easier. Uh, makes the opponent's defense have to play that much harder because when you have a three-point threat, you have Justin Turner or um, yeah, uh, being able to do what he wants. You have Daquan Platinum being allowed to do what he wants because they're not able to focus on one or two guys. You have a, a perimeter threat that you basically have to stick on. It just makes Bowling Green's offense that much easier and flow easier, and that's what they need to realize moving forward. Both the Eastern Michigan Ball State win I have to contribute to Caden Matheny because he just allowed their offense to flow that much better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, because Matheny was hitting his shots, it didn't so much matter that Justin Turner was having an off night. You know, he was only four for 13 from the field. He only had 13 points in this game. Plowden also with only 13 points. And, um, and Caleb Fields had 13 as well. Uh, you got uh, Trey Diggs with 10 off the bench. But, yeah, Caden Matheny really was – the catalyst for Bowling Green to, to, to come back in this game. I mean, again, the Falcons were down 29 to 12. They were down by 17 uh, with six and a half minutes left to go in the first half. And they cut that all the way to three um, by halftime. And then 
they took the lead with less, you know, two minutes into the second half and just never gave it up. And they were up by 10 for most of the second half. So certainly it seemed like a game where they kind of just flipped the switch after they got down a little bit, but you know, I've, I've said it multiple times and I'll keep saying it that if, you know, if I'm one of the other teams in the conference right now, I want no parts of Bowling Green because they have the talent. It seems like they're figuring it out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, three games left here for the Falcons. You got um, at Akron on Saturday. And then next week you got uh, you're playing Miami at home and then at Ohio next Friday. So three uh, good games to close out the, the conference uh, schedule here for the Falcons, two of them being on the road. I wonder, you know, they're only a half game back of Buffalo for fifth place. They're only a game back of Ohio for fourth place. I could see Bowling Green climbing up the standings a little bit here over the last couple of weeks, Sam. I do too. And kind of transitioning to the last game I want to talk about, since we didn't get to really talk about Ohio Bowling Green because it was postponed, the Ohio-Akron Ohio game. Yeah. Ohio, I'm not going to lie, I had money on Akron. I thought <laughs> being down – two starters i believe ohio was akron yeah. would easily get the win that wasn't the case at all it it just was a dominant performance from ohio from start to finish i was i was super impressed by everybody being able to step up mark sears once again being able to step up um once uh, preston went down i i love watching ohio i love watching them um play every single game no matter who's playing because they're gonna come to play it doesn't matter if um, mcmurray's getting 20 minutes or whether sears is getting 40 yeah they're gonna come to play and it's super fun to watch and i i learned my lesson to never bet on bet against ohio again yeah (laughs) no i i hear you i think I saw that whenever that line opened up i saw ohio was actually favored in that game which didn't make any sense to me. And then everyone bet on Akron. Akron went to be the favorite. But even still, no matter what the line was, what you bet on, Ohio, I mean, really blew the expectations out of the water for this game. And, you know, I think you're exactly right, Sam. Like, more so than most teams in this conference where most teams in this conference, it's like one or two primary players, and then you have a bunch of of role players. With Ohio, even though Jason Preston gets a little bit more press, yeah, I don't get that sense. Like Jason, Pre- I mean, the scoring on this team is very balanced. Jason Preston at 16.4, Dwight Wilson at 15.6, Vanderplas at 13, Roderick at 11.8. I mean, you, you, you know, your two top scorers go down in this game and you still manage to hang 90 on Akron and shoot 50% from the field. Vanderplas had a great game, 17 points and nine rebounds. Roderick had a great game with 17 points. This is a very deep team. And I think, if I had to pick kind of like a dark horse team that I think might surprise some people and win the conference tournament and get to the NCAA tournament, I think it might be Ohio. Like they, they don't have anything or any one person that really like jumps off the screen at you the way that like Justin Turner does or Lauren Christian Jackson does, but they play so such connected basketball. They play as a unit on both sides of the floor. And that makes them really fun to watch. I'm, I'm with you, Sam. They, they have really impressed me here, especially over the last couple of weeks. And, and, and for me, I think no flaws really stand out to me in Ohio. Really, you look at the record 12 and 6 overall, but they don't have any like major flaws that you can just point out. It's, it's sound fundamental basketball. It's what you want to see if you're a head coach. I love, I love what Jeff Bowles has done there at Ohio. This year has just been so much fun to watch. Like if, like, 
Toledo may have the best all-around shooters and the most depth at shooting. I think Ohio has the most deep team in 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 the match. Yeah. No, I I agree with you. I I agree with you. And um, you know, Ohio third in the conference in in points per game right now. They uh they lead the conference in assists per game, which I think is kind of speaks to how well they play as a team. Um, the average, you know, 17.7 assists per game. Not only is that first in the MAC, that's 13th in the entire country, 350 Division One basketball team. So, yeah, certainly, um, certainly, a, 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 it's been a good couple of weeks for the uh, the Bobcats. They've now won five in a row. Uh, they have four games left. Uh, their first uh, one up, they got, got Eastern Michigan and Buffalo here. Their next two at home finish up the season with a game at Kent state and then versus Bowling green next Friday, that Bowling green game next Friday in Athens, that could be a huge game, huge implications for the conference tournament there, Sam. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that game up because I'm, I'm with you, you know, Ohio, they, they have, uh, they have really impressed me here over the last couple of weeks. Um, so let's go, let's go ahead and move in now, Sam, to our, our, our performances of the week. Uh, obviously as, as you guys have been, you, you know, how we do this, you've been listening, you know, do one men's one, one women's performance of the week. So Sam, why don't you go ahead and start it off? Uh, who, who, what was kind of your standout performance this week on the men's side? I mean, I, I think, I think everybody knows who I'm going for, who had kind of the biggest performance of the week. I talked about him last week. Uh, he really showed out this week with his, uh, 20 plus point, the leading scorer on uh, Bowling Green State's team. And that's Caden Matheny. I think what I said would, remains true. I think if he can get going each game, this team is close to unstoppable because not only do you have him, you have Turner, you have Plowden. I that's that's the one issue that Bowling Green I think couldn't figure out is what was their X factor, and Caden Matheny was him because everybody sees the publicity that Turner and Plowden gets. Turner I think is on the watch list like for several of them. Uh, several words that Matheny's what is the glue that holds this offense together and the last two games I've watched of him playing uh, Ball State in uh, this past game it's it's been a different animal for Bowling Green yeah no I'm I'm with you I think if he can consistently hit his shots that completely transforms things for Bowling Green because now you know you got another scoring threat you got to worry about. They can't just focus on Turner and Diggs and Plowden. You got, you know, if you got four guys on the, on the, on the floor that can score at any given moment, that changes things. That makes it very hard on the defense. So I I'm with you. I think a heck of a game, a career night for, for the, the freshman from West Virginia. And um, I think over the next couple of years, we're, we're going to see a lot of points from him uh, in the, uh, in the orange and Brown for the Falcons for my performance of the week here. Um, this week, I went with the the team performance of, you know, we just talked about Ohio and their game against Akron the other day. I went with the Bobcats. I, you know, I don't think I can emphasize enough the, the, what a performance that was and, and what a coaching job that was by Jeff Bowles. This is a team that had not played in 21 days because of COVID uh, issues within the program. So you haven't, you're, you're cold. You haven't played a game in three weeks. Your top two scorers are out with Jason Preston and Dwight Wilson and they still not only did they win that game against Akron, but they, I mean, they really blew the zips out of the gym. I mean, it was a nine point game at halftime, but it didn't really seem that close. And then Ohio came out in the second half and just put the pedal to the floor and ran the zips out of the gym. 
a really, really impressive performance for the Bobcats. I kind of felt like they might fall off here after the long layoff, but if the, if yesterday's game is any indication, that's not the case at all. I, uh, you know, I, I'm not betting against the Bobcats right now. They're playing really good basketball and I wouldn't want to see them in Cleveland. And, and another reason why I bet them, you mentioned the 21 day layoff. I, I thought they would have rust. I, yes. I think we've seen every team that's had that kind of long layoff kind of have a, a somewhat of a um, kind of drop off. I mean, Kent State on the women's side comes to mind where they kind of, I think they lost two of the three after their um, layoff. After their layoff. Yeah, you're exactly right. So to me, Zach, I don't know whether you watched that game. It was just a, I didn't see any rust. It looked like the same Ohio team that, that came to play in week one. It was just an unbelievable performance, and I, I I can't emphasize enough how much I love watching them. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, and I agree. There there was no rust that was apparent to me. I think a lot of times, whenever you have a long layoff like that, I tend to think that that'll show up more on the offensive end. And there it there were no they did not miss a single beat on offense at this game. I mean, you shoot 49 percent from the field, 10 for 19 from the three-point line. You have 17 assists and only eight turnovers in the game. That's about as good as you can play on offense. And to think that they did that without playing a game for three weeks and you put up 90 on one of the best teams in the conference, certainly a, a statement victory for the Bobcats. And, and it's been a heck of a coaching job this year from uh, from Jeff Bowles and, and his staff there in Athens. Uh, let, let's move over to the women's side now, Sam. Um, what was your uh, standout performance of the week for, uh, for women's hoops in the MAC? Um, really, uh, just straight up Toledo. I mean, they've, this is a moral victory that I think, I don't think, I think, um, Zach, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they're really going to make the Mac tournament. It's going to be really close, but I just don't see enough from Toledo to make me buy into their team just yet making it. It it was a moral victory against, uh, central Michigan. I don't think anybody expected it, but it was well-deserved a great effort by Toledo and, uh, they can take uh, this one into next season um, a little less um, sad than they were. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think at this point in the year, yeah, it's it's not much more than a moral victory. But for a team like Toledo that had lost seven of eight games, um, it's it's good to see a win. And I think this is a team, like you mentioned, Sam, they're 6-11 and 11 in the conference. They're sitting in, in ninth place, three and a half games back from Ball State. I mean, you're three and a half games back with four games left in the season. Very, very unlikely at this point, I think, that they make the conference tournament. But nonetheless, this is a team where your two leading scorers in Quinesha Lockett and um, and Sophie Ward are both sophomores. I think there is certainly hope for the future here for the Rockets. And a victory like this one uh, that they got earlier tonight certainly helps uh, kind of you know, helps people see that vision, right. Of, of seeing progress towards what the Rockets might be next year and the year after that. So certainly a a nice win for the Rockets uh, on the road in Mount Pleasant against the Chippewas tonight. Um, I also, for my women's performance of the week, I I went with Kent state as a team. And um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about that scheduling quirk of having two games in a row on the road, back to back days against the same team, Never happens in college basketball, but it happened here because of the, you know, the previous game being um, postponed due to COVID. But, you know, they had lost three in, of three in a row and four of six since they returned from their COVID pause. 
And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Northern Illinois was the hottest team in the conference coming into these two games, but uh, Kent state figured out a way to do it. They held the Huskies to 38% field goals over the two games, 29% from three point range over those two games. Um, Neela Blackford averaged 15 points in those two games. And they also, I mean, you want to talk about domination, Northern Illinois leads the conference in rebounding per game and rebounding margin. And the golden flashes out rebounded the uh, Northern Illinois by 19 rebounds across these two games. So a really nice concerted effort for the golden flashes on defense and on the boards. And I think that's kind of performance they needed to get their season back on track as they're back up in third place now uh, heading into these last two weeks of the season. Yeah, as we talked about, much needed wins. Now with the the Buffalo win they just got, it's now three straight. Yep. So it's it's tough to really read where this Kent State program is at because they were originally hot, then they down, and now they're back up. It's they've got they've got three more games before the conference tournament. It's gonna be exciting to watch this team, and I think each game you you get a different Golden Flashes team each um, game and. And I'm excited to watch this team because I think this may be one of the streakier teams in the MAC. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they're able to do uh, come conference tournament time in Cleveland. Um, real quick, before we move into the uh, what we're looking forward to this week, a couple games that are still finishing up on the women's side here tonight as we record on Wednesday. Uh, Northern Illinois currently with a 79-78 lead over Ball State with one minute left in that game. Looks like Western Michigan is going to pick up their fourth conference win of the season. They're currently up 64 to 55 over Eastern Michigan with 57 seconds left there. Elsewhere around the conference tonight, we talked about Toledo beating Central Michigan 72 to 67. Kent State knocked off Buffalo 65-62. The other game that we did not mention was Akron uh, going to Oxford and knocking off Miami 84 to 63 to get their third conference win of the year. So, um, so Sam, let's take a look at the week ahead here. Um, we'll start on the men's side. Any games this week that you have kind of circled on your calendar that you're really looking forward to? Um, I, I'm excited for, I could go Bowling Green at Akron, but I'm going to go Buffalo at Ohio. I think, I think this is a game to really watch because I think, I think, I think this could be a potential. I think this is a, um, right now would be a first round matchup. That's right. This would be the four or five. Yeah. And not only that, I think, like we said, Buffalo can beat anybody team, but this Ohio's team is just plays the right type of basketball that they can also beat anybody. So I'm really excited to watch that matchup. I agree with you. I'm excited in any Ohio game right now. I'm, I'm going to try and make an effort to watch because they are fun to watch. So that Buffalo game on Saturday will be a big one. I think Ohio at Kent next Tuesday at seven o'clock. That'll be a big game as well. Kent State going to be looking to bounce back after that performance against Ball State here uh, earlier today. And Ohio, you know, looking to move up a little bit in the standings. It has Kent State right in front of them. So certainly could be a good game there. And then the other one I had on here was, yeah, Bowling Green and Akron on Saturday. I think this will be the true test for us to tell if Bowling Green truly is back. If you can go on the road to Akron and knock off the zips in their home gym, then I, I'll start to consider – the Falcons a problem again in this conference. We'll see what happens there. Uh, what about on the women's side, Sam? Any any games uh, in particular that you're looking forward to this week in women's hoops? Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go 
the the same exact mashup, but instead of being at Ohio, I'm gonna it's gonna be in Buffalo, and that's Ohio at Buffalo. It's another great mashup, I think, similar to the men's side of things. Either of these teams can beat you, and it's just gonna be up to Daisha Vair versus CC Hooks who who can win it, and and that's my that's my game. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and I'm gonna go with Northern Illinois at Western Michigan. Um, that might seem like an odd choice being that, you know, how far Western Michigan is down in the standings. I believe they're in 11th place right now, not going to make the conference tournament. I'm just curious to see how Northern Illinois bounces back after, uh, losing those two games at home to Kent state over the weekend. They're, uh, they're locked in a dog fight with, with ball state here tonight. So if they can pick up a win here tonight and, and get the 10 wins, I don't think they'll have any problem with Western Michigan on Saturday. However, you know, I think if you lose again tonight to Ball State in another close game, you might start to have some confidence issues for the Huskies. And in that case, I could see this being a dicey one going into to Kalamazoo to take on the Broncos. Um, the other one, only other one I had on here was Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan. Michaela Kelly obviously playing at a very high level. Got a rivalry game there. Eastern Michigan, similar kind of bounce back spot to what I just mentioned with Northern Illinois. They uh, got knocked off by Western Michigan here tonight in another rivalry game. So, Eastern Michigan there in a bounce back spot. And I guess Central Michigan is as well after that disappointing loss to Toledo earlier tonight. And, and one quick thing to mention, the last two two times Central Michigan at Eastern Michigan played this season, Eastern Michigan actually knocked off Central mm. Michigan in an away game. So this is a big uh, deal breaker for Central Michigan, not only in a rivalry game, but as you said, bounce back game. Also, you don't want to get swept by one of your rivals. You don't want to get really swept by anybody. It's going to yeah. be a matchup to watch. Yeah, no, you're certainly right about that. That's a great point. Kind of got the revenge factor uh, playing into that one as well. Uh, well, uh, folks, with uh, with that, uh, you know, kind of wrap it up with, you know, looking at the week ahead here. I think that's going to do it for us here this week on uh, the Mac bandwagon. Sam, anything we miss? Anything, any final words? Anything for the good of the people? Um, I don't think so. I, I think I think what we said was um, pretty true. I, I liked all the games that we had this weekend. They were a lot of fun to watch from the Ball State games to the Ohio Akron game. I'm hoping we get more um, this upcoming week. I'm with you there. It is a great time of the year. Love the last couple of weeks of the college hoop season headed into the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament. I am I'm pumped for all of it, especially after not getting any of it that last year. So. Um, Thank you all for stopping by tonight. As always, we appreciate you guys stopping by and listening. This has been episode 34 of the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. I am Zach Follador. He is Sam Thillman. We'll talk to you guys next week.